moving to oneness. Nourishing curiosity. Embracing differences. Becoming one. started the recording a while ago. Wow. My guest today <laughs> is sitting in your is so vast, has so many accomplishments, has so many interests uh, that every moment that I speak with him is precious. So everyone, welcome to the Moving to Oneness podcast. And please be excited as I am about what is gonna arise with my guest a doctor Ali Lankerm. Ali you know it, it's oh, I have that was to really good. That was very good. <laughs> Do you know why it's so funny? I my you know my married name is Ankerman. So we have Anchor both of us in it. That's gonna be interesting to <laughs> talk a little <laughs> But but everyone, he's simply uh, being called a Dr. L, and um, I'll do that too. And he maybe can share the story how that arose. But first, Dr. L, Ali, welcome to the Moving to Oneness podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. And hello, everybody. I'm honored and delighted to be here today with you. Yeah, we had to think about, you know, what topic, what's, he's a really fantastic storyteller, what story uh, to speak about. And I said, let's go uh, with the flow and, and think really about what brings you in um, moving together to oneness, what has brought your life to do whatever you do for in a way humanity for children for parents you're also called the the parent whisperer right you bring all of you of your ancestors i know that a little bit about you <laughs> together as well to provide a, a light a bright future for many and uh, for that, I want to thank you and, and share a little bit how you decided or did you know already as a little child that you wanted to bring light to people? Um, well, actually, that's a really good question. When, when I was a child, I, I grew up in Iran uh, and I moved to the United States uh, via Germany uh, in 1987. Uh, so I was around 14. So you can do the math about mm -hmm. all the details of that. Um, and funny enough, growing up there, I, I distinctly remember as a very, very small child sitting in a car and being at a traffic light, looking at the people in the other car and thinking, I'm not going to be around these people for long. And I don't know how I knew that or why I felt that way. It's not like I was constantly moving abroad or traveling, but I could tell that, you know, that somehow there was going to be a shift. There's going to be this change where um, at the very least physically, geographically, I will be relocated. I will not be around the people that I was around at the time. 
Um, and of course, then I grew up in the Iran-Iraq war and post-revolution. So it was a very tumultuous time period. And I grew up with ADHD before there was a diagnosis for attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder. Uh, so I was always described as this bright kid that would get the point in class in the first 10 minutes and would go on to disrupt the class in the remaining hour. You got um, bored. So, so that was the general report from any teacher at any grade uh, on any topic, basically, that my parents used to get. And I was so sick and tired of hearing that report. Um, and I didn't have a solution for it. Nobody did, actually. And um, there were challenges and struggles. And during that era and that time, uh, it was extremely important for you to perform academically well. And that's an understatement. You needed to really be in the top 1% of the academic performers nationally to be able to pass the national university entrance exam wow. so that you wouldn't have to go to the front lines and fight. So it was really a pretty much a life and death situation. And um, lucky enough for me, two weeks before draft, um, the invitation from the U.S. Embassy in Frankfurt came and said, hey, your interview is up for residency in the United States. So I happened to um, go away. And of course, we did the interview. And funny enough, he said, uh, you're clear to go, but I wouldn't recommend you leaving tomorrow because tomorrow in the United States, there is this holiday called Thanksgiving. And so every place is going to be closed. So that's how I remember when I actually moved over. I pretty much got to move over on Thanksgiving of 1987. Anyways, long story short, uh, we came over here, and um, now I was away from family and friends and culture and the system that I knew, and I had to figure out how to make my way and uh, kind of blossom as, as a young adult, basically. And I went through my training. I became a clinical neuroscientist, and I started my private practice. Uh, all of those had their own specific challenges, but ultimately, the... During my practice, I was voted as America's top doctors a couple of times. The practice was an award-winning practice. And we were helping a lot of kids recover from autism spectrum disorders, get the label taken off, or have better family lives. Uh, and yet, one of the days, a busy day, something that would have been otherwise very fulfilling for me, I sensed this unhappiness on the drive home. And I'm like, I just had the best day. I helped so many people. I changed lives. Why is it that I'm happy? I'm happy. Yeah. And the reality came to me that I, I felt that I was being limited by my trade and I wanted to serve in a bigger way. And that basically started, that was the beginning of a, my next journey, which brought me to where I am today, uh, which ultimately led me to realize that looking back at my ancestors, that they come from a long line of uh, philanthropists and industrialists, uh, and people who've been in politics, changed politics and the shape of world history. I figured that, you know what, I want to leave my legacy. What's going to be my legacy? So that's where my starting point was. And of course, up until that point, my motto, my chief aim in life has always been that I want to improve the world by improving myself. And I want to do that via gaming experiences, going through experiences. Yes. So I've tried as many different things, encountered as many different cultures as I can, different foods, travel, everything, basically. Um, and 
but it wasn't enough. It was time for me to give back based on my skills, based on all my experiences. And um, that's where this current uh, thing that I do resides, which is we try to support, inspire and empower parents to lead by example uh, so that the children can see what a happy, healthy and thriving life looks like and internalize that in their brain as that young brain is developing so that you don't have to preach to them when the problems arise. Oh, you should have done this or don't do this and things like that, because it's a lot harder to correct the problem rather than get the neural circuitry right in the first place, basically. <laughs> This is really interesting. I mean, a lot of fascinating life experiences. And uh, yeah, as a child, I, I can recognize that very much. So so I think if, if you have this vast interest, and I think the vast interest, why do we have those? Um, we want to understand and maybe we you are or many others that are fast thinkers, right? The brain goes much faster than and, and the tongue does can't follow. Yeah. And you're so aware of everything in the surrounding and in the schools, they want that you're only aware of the teacher and listen and really act on it. So uh, many intelligent children are uh, labeled wrong, I believe, or even people with called disabled, <laughs> right? Like I always say, dyslexia or autism. It's because it's difficult for them to work with uh, in, in different ways. Um, we're still, you know, being taught 2% uh, of ways children uh, learn in school. It hasn't changed. Uh, there, you can study 36 as a teacher. <laughs> and that yeah. is still just a part of it. And, um, and so I'm happy you're bringing this new understanding uh, to parents that it can be different and that they also maybe learn from their own experience and uh, and you can see it i think also nowadays that parents want to do it a little different than the parents before maybe that is a normal way anyway right the the new, new next generation wants to do it a little different but there is in a way, a little bit of a, a revolution where a lot of parents and, and I have to include myself. I remember when my son was born now 14 years ago, I said, I have to figure out who I am. I have to live my truth because right. children pick it up in seconds when you talk one way and you'd act another way. And if I don't see where I want uh, the world to go being lived, and I can't tell them to do it. I have to uh, show it. And that's what's hard work. <laughs> got, me, got me in a whole new spiral of adventures, of learning, of, of meeting people. But I felt I had to be ready for, for my son and what he's bringing and that he can be more open because in a way I experienced being closed down like you did as well. And, and I, the list is big, right? Where the teachers always tell you to be quiet, to think in, in a different way, that you're wrong. And um, so, yes, so you're speaking out of my heart and uh, you have this fantastic influence of really changing something and you have it, you have done it, you are doing it, and you will do it even in a much grander way. <laughs> Thank you. It's funny, you just mentioned what something that 
brought up a memory. Uh, and the memory is this, that apparently I'm very obstinate and stubborn and hard-headed. And, <laughs> and one of the things that I used to have issues with is authority, which is why it was so imperative for me to move out of Iran at the time, because, you know, we, it went from a relatively relaxed and, um, you know, um, free and open country to all of a sudden this very dogmatic, revolutionary, traditional sense. And then only a few people got to tell everybody else how you're supposed to think and behave and all of that. Now, the funny thing is going through school, I developed this distaste that whenever a teacher would say something, I would ask the question, well, who made them the authority figure to say that? Now, as a six or seven-year-old kid, you don't know any better. Yes, they have age, they have experience, they have training. All of that is true. But I had this unresolved thing inside of me that just because she says so, it doesn't mean it has to be so. And in fact, I remember I would like literally during summer breaks, I would pick up physics books and I would read particle physics, for instance. But if I was to learn that in school where a teacher was telling me this is how it is, I would have difficulty accepting it. So uh, that is something that is a byproduct of the industrial revolution and us trying to modernize and get everybody aligned so we can see progress, quote unquote, <laughs> in the world. And we kind of boxed ourselves into this way of running society which, I mean, it has a lot of wonderful benefits, but we also are noticing that it's not sustainable. It's creating certain kinds of inequalities and imbalances and the personal uh, disconnectivity that exists, uh, despite being super connected more than ever before in human history. Um, so those things are things that when you say parents want to do things differently, I think as as a general whole, as a species, as, as a society or civilization, we're starting to realize that what we have is great, but we can't continue to build on this. And we need to kind of adjust our course ever so slightly so that we can go ahead and have those other things that right now are getting neglected, like the personal satisfactions and those individual things that we are after, which are nowadays um, seem like not congruous with the way society does the education or the job seeking and how everything else is set up in the world. Yeah, you know, it, it was uh, on top of the industrial revolution. I had to think in Germany, right? I think in 1676, it was uh, determined that all children had to go to school. So rather early, but the structure was built up after military school. Right. And this uh, style still runs uh, the, in a way, the way, not just German, European or Western world way of, of teaching. And I think it's so difficult to overhaul, even though there come so many uh, grand uh, visionaries and way shows and uh, new ideas like a wild kindergarten, right, where the children are uh, in the kindergarten in the woods outside all day summer we winter and they love it they become so much more adventurous they come in in tune 
Um, or in Russia, they have beautiful ways that young children already can design on their own thoughts and learn what they want so they can implement and create what they want. So they're 12 and 14 years building buildings and uh, inventing. Uh, it, they're giving so much more opportunity to see possibility and they're supported more by then in that systems of the adult right so and it's more a, a, a an exchange of wisdom like we have now at this moment when we're here in this podcast in this beautiful conversation we, it's stimulating it brings new ideas it brings memories and uh, even maybe suddenly together oh you can do do even grander things and you can you have a, a new ways right you're a neurologist and 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 uh, you're fascinating in understanding and how the brain functions and how fast we can rebuild the brain our neurons right they rebuild so quickly and then our school structure or even our society, you're right, it's so stagnant. And I think this is the movement in our natural state as a human being, I believe. We're very flexible, movable beings and our uh, way of being put into borders, putting into houses, putting into other structures has limited um, our movement. One, yes, by politics right or, or or power struggles of others it's easier to control and i think inside of of the people in the world most of them where it has been restricted luckily we still have examples where we can see how it's uh, in a society where it has not been so restricted how fluid that society is and i think that's in, in the bigger picture where you're leading people now by looking at the example of the, the nuclear of a family, right? The nuclear mother of, of, with her child, the father, mother with a child, and then going bigger because you have to educate. So if you start teaching your child in a way one thing, and you have to explain what you're teaching to others. I've learned that was difficult, right? So you have to, I had to learn to explain why I'm letting my son have all these experiences or not pulling him back or letting him walk much further away from me and that I would follow him instead of he would follow me when he was little. So he could explore himself in his style nature. Um, this is is, a, is another thing that is not easy to do so chapeau for for you <laughs> thank you um actually one of the things that came to my mind right now was about the the fact that as we move into this century we're talking about artificial intelligence ai and people are worried about all the jobs that are being lost and what you were describing about creativity imagination that is the gift of humans, and that is something that, um, that, that the AIs, the artificial intelligence can do because they're designed on a set of algorithms, and at best, they can predict and project forward into the future. But like you were saying, that if we go ahead and see a device or see a situation in life, we can figure out where the problem is and then try to solve uh, the problem by seeing what we need to create, what we need to invent, and then 
that's where the AI can come in once we're clear about what it is that we need to do that. That's not something that the AI can do. And part of that whole creativity comes from the fact, again, I'm going to go back to my nerdy, geeky neurology <laughs> stuff that uh, when, when we are born, our brains are not fully developed and we do all of this stuff, everything that we have achieved in life has happened because of the brain development that happens during those early years. The one of the first places is, of course, connecting with your body. Babies don't recognize that they are separate from the world initially. They, they believe that there is this big soup and they are part of that soup or all of that soup. They don't know where the boundaries are. So it takes us a number of uh, the amount of time basically to distinguish that, ah, I finish at the end where my skin ends and the rest of the world begins. And then in doing so, you establish boundaries for yourself. These are my movements. These are my thoughts. These are my emotions. And these are what I want to show and manifest and project in the world. This is how I want to change the world. You move that thing and it makes a noise. It's like, ah, I have control over the world. You learn early on uh, very as a baby that, hey, you know what? There are certain things that I can do that can actually go ahead and make an impact in the world. If I giggle and do something, this person in front of me happens to be my mom, happens to giggle and smile as well. And then you see this connection being made, right? Mm -hmm. So that process to this day goes on with you. And if you are disconnected because you don't move a lot, if you're disconnected because you are not paying attention to your health, what's going on in your gut or what's going on in your mind and your mood and your thoughts, and you keep pushing those down, then when you go to show up in the world, you, you don't know where your feelings, where your beliefs end and where the rest of the world begins. So as a result, you're more subject to bullying. You're going to have more difficulty picking the right career or choosing the right job or ending up in the right relationship. Because if you don't know what, you, what values you stand for, how can you be in a relationship and identify somebody else that might share those values with you, right? So it becomes very difficult to be in a relationship. And as this disconnection happens and continues, you never get to practice communicating because there is no reason to communicate if there's nothing to connect to, right? Yes. So as a result, the communication suffers as well. So I went on a tangent, but I just wanted to... No, there's never a tangent because, <laughs> it, you know, it, 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 life is uh, it's a spiraling and it, we're bringing... It's not just one, it's bringing always input, right? The moment we look at a tree, I look at outside, right? I get information for the tree, you hear us... We heard our cat, my cat today. <laughs> yeah, there's an input. So we have always this input and it's important. I believe every input we have in the moment has something to do, it does something. It may loosen something up, it may tighten something with our body and it gets us to think. And it, that fits really the topic because it all comes then together and individually we can choose then even though we hear the same or see the same what parts i have fun with creating or, or putting together and what to do so and i always i learned one thing ali this that um so in my i had a radio show and 
sometimes I just spoke and said, I was, you know, in, in the back of my mind, like, oh my God, why was I thinking about that? And then at the end or something, someone, a caller would come, oh, I'm so happy you, <laughs> you spoke about this. I exactly needed to hear this. So I also learned that um, and not to censor myself or a thought or uh, a need that arises. Even though in the moment I may not understand why it is here or coming, mm -hmm. a little later it's very clear. <laughs> or maybe a year later it's very clear of why certain experiences uh, happened. Right. So. Well, I, I totally understand that. Um, putting it into context as far as where I've been in life with attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, one of the things that I was always notorious for, I would call it being criticized for was, you don't finish what you start, right? Uh -huh. So this became a part of me that, oh, if I go ahead and start something, I need to finish it. I need to pursue it. I need to see it to its completion. Um, because that was the hallmark of my fault, right? So I had to make sure that that doesn't exist. So um, it's kind of built into me. And thank you for noticing that and addressing it in that sense. <laughs> yeah, it, it, because, you know, you're very flexible. You, you've started new things. Yeah, maybe some you don't end, but it is important that we try at least. We, we have to figure it out if it suits us, if it's an instrument we learn as a child. I remember the children, they picked one, they had to go all their life. But, you know, maybe at that moment in time, just someone told them that would be the best for them or they didn't have the opportunity to try a few others. And then they, uh, a distaste is developed. Yes, they practice, but then there is not this oomph in it. And there's so many different instruments you have to you play around and suddenly you may find it and then that if it suits you or a sport right or a hobby wow and then it, it expelled because um i believe too often people see a child is good and then they, they pressure it to do it but that child may be better somewhere else even better yeah, and, and they said, oh, and also they're criticized if they don't perform a certain way. And I, and I thought, you know, the one like the Olympic winners where people think they, you know, they want their child to get or if it's, it's, a, it's a teacher, they did it by themselves. They had something within them that made sure they did it. And uh, it is important that we start recognizing and giving give the child or even every human being, right? The ability to choose for themselves, to uh, not judge what others do, because we don't understand. We don't know what is happening with inside. We're so complex. We have the most difficult time for us to think about what is best for us and what I want to do in the next moment. So how hard it is for others. And I love also that you say then, how to communicate it in a relationship that it comes out within parents, right? Even if you do two different views of how you want to raise a child, but maybe then there's a third and fourth way that is even better right? to find right. a new vocabulary and uh, to open up and uh, the parenthood invites to self-development. And so then you have also one child and maybe a few more. 
and the dynamics uh, change. But to be uh, courageous enough, I invite everyone of who's listening, be courageous to find your own words, to not hold back what you want to tell your partner, um, not to hold back what you want to ask your child, share yourself with your child what you love to do. The child may have ideas and will adapt to you. We don't all have to adapt to the children to hold up that it can be an, an engaging exchange too. And that is stimulating, I think. Absolutely. Um, I think when you were talking about the mouth, um, not keeping up with the brain, I think it's there's a lot more to it than that. Because <laughs> Uh, when you look at our brain and when you look at its capabilities, one of the things I think is, um, I think evolution has not been able to also keep up with <laughs> our brain and what it can do as well. So part of our survival, how we have in our genome, where we come from, is the fact that we need to make sure that we identify friend from foe, good from bad, right? So uh, in, in our survival, it's important for us early on to understand what is good for us and what's bad for us. So this mm -hmm. sense of duality of judgment of the good and bad, dark and light, you know, that type of thing. And, and you see it, you know, when it comes to the kids, you know, we train them early on, do this, this is good and we can reward them. This is bad. And we could say, no, 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 don't do that. You're going to burn your finger. Uh, stove bad, this good. So we talk about it like that. And as a result, what ends up happening is as we become more independent thinkers, then now the onus is on the individual to figure out the difference between good and bad rather than being told by a mom or a dad that, okay, well, this is the person you hang out with. This is the activity you do. This is what you don't do. This is the kind of grades you get. These are the type of activities you don't do, right? Um, so, and then how well you get it right de determines your success. So the better you can go ahead and figure out the right answers the first time around, which is not realistic because that's not how the world works, um, then the more successful and the further ahead in life you get. And so everybody's trying to be right. Everybody's trying to get it right the first time in the shortest amount of time and want to have that Hollywood or the optimum lifestyle in as little time as possible if you do everything right and you know make all the right decisions and <laughs> so on and so forth. But, but the reality of it is that there is trial and error, there's individuality, there is acceptance, and you cannot have those if you have judgment as the first condition of decision making. Uh, so you need to make the decision making based on what's true to your heart and what resonates with you, what you identify with. Uh, and that's kind of beaten out of us very early on in life, just because we needed to survive back in the days. And that's not as much of an issue anymore. No, but this is a really powerful. I heard I, 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 it got me thinking when you, I was listening just then now to you, you said, um, Right, we we teach judgment really quick because we want to control a little bit of our children, right? And I, I've, I've, I've uh, you know, sometimes they're too loud, sometimes they're too quiet. Now they shouldn't cry. Now they shouldn't laugh. Now should they should do that. Next moment we pull them back, you know. And it depends who what other mothers are on the playground. It's it's a whole story. But what really came out now is 
what is really important for us parents is to give the most freedom the earliest on because if we do that we give the most success to a child when it's an adult and the fastest and the quickest because it's like an oxymoron now first you you are not allowed to do all those things and suddenly you turn 18 or let's let's say 19 yeah when you go to college or and suddenly you have to you're supposed to be all these other things right but then there we have no teachers for that we have no community work for that um, too many traumas have been developed because some of those judgment had force uh, behind them, right? If, if it force of words or pulling away love or really pain, we there there, there are a lot of other, uh, control factors there. So so how can you teach a parent? What can a parent do to provide um, the least? control is there a little tip so I, I, because i'm thinking i watch the native americans they, they let for children burn themselves for a second now not that they burn but they let let them feel until it gets too hard if there's a, a fire pit or something right they don't right away and a german mother would go oh stop it's gonna get hard you're gonna burn yourself and I thought, oh, my God, they let the child practice. And as you said also before, find its own boundaries when it's too hard or when it gets too dangerous, because I believe it's already in children when the moment they're born, they know when it's really a dangerous situation for their life or not. And if they can develop it rather quick, they're perfect. <laughs> so well, how can I you get a, a parent what could you support a parent with or give them a tip? And the tip actually that I have also applies to relationships because it's, it's very similar. If you think about the whole family dynamics, all the different family members, everybody's trying to figure it right. And, you know, you're trying to be the best parent and the child mm -hmm. is trying to figure out how the world works. And, you know, you're as, as a whole community, as a whole family unit, trying to figure out how to fit into the, world at large and what's the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do and ultimately the 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 answer that i have is a three-step approach the first one is that first of all you have to understand and work with the body i have this top down inside out approach so for children there are different phases that they go through in the early phase of life like zero to three years of age they are just trying to get control of their own body and survive. So that's like almost survival. So trying to tell them do this or don't do that really doesn't work as anybody who's tried to coach a two-year-old to not to do something when they have just discovered the word no and free will. Uh, so so it, it's understandable that they're just trying to understand this world. Now, from three to six is when they need to understand rules and consequences. So if you have anything to teach them as far as good and bad, that's the age. But from six to nine, it's time for them to start actually now applying these rules and seeing how it works at the world at large. And nine through 12 is when they actually go ahead and start connecting to other human beings in social settings to their peers. And then at that point, they start forming their own sense of identity and they become who they are. Now, in, during their teenage years now, what's gonna happen is they're gonna test it 
and really solidify that and form their own unit. But for many parents, they're way behind on this curve. So they are trying to get the kids to survive all the way until they're six to seven years old. They don't need to, they learned to survive a long time ago. Then they're trying to teach them the rules when they're going from six to 12. And at that point, they already know the rules. They just need to practice it. So now at, the, at teenage years, because they never give, were given the opportunity to practice the rules, now they try to lash out, break out, try to figure out, and they take risks that are unnecessary, but that's because they didn't get to do it in the home environment when it was much safer when they were six years old. Now they're 15, they maybe can drive a car or they can get in a car with peers that can drive a car, and they're going to try things out that they didn't get to do. And then because of the teenage years and they didn't get to establish and form their identity, they go to college and now this is where you see things that they do things that like, that's not even like him. Why would he do that? You know, uh, and we know about the crazy stories that happen in college. So the first part is understanding the body and making sure that we work with the body in its development phase, zero to three, three to six, six to nine, nine to 12, and then the teenagers. The second part is making sure that we allow room for development, be it in a relationship, be it for the child to develop. So my general rule for parenting is never do something for a child where they have shown that they're capable of doing it themselves, right? Don't step in and solve their problems. Don't step in and tidy up the room because they didn't get to do it. Don't step in. So I'm saying all these don'ts, but I'm just basically giving you these points that if your child has shown that they can go ahead and do their own laundry, don't do their laundry for them, right? Have them figure out where in their schedule in their life they can devote some time so that they can do their laundry. So in doing so, not only do they learn about the laundry as being part of their life, but they also learn time management, right? Um, and the same thing can go on with you know, social interaction, risk assessments, and things like that as well. And then the last rule, so first one was work with the body. Second was allow room for the development. And then if you have done the first two, the last one kind of happens naturally, which is to constantly align with your true self. So if you have allowed room for yourself to exist, for others to exist, naturally, everybody is aligned with who they are so they can step into that. So you drop the judgment and you see something as this is what I'm about. Good or bad doesn't matter. This is what you're about. To go against it is going to make you unhappy. And if as you're unhappy, you're going to bring unhappiness to the world anyways. So uh, it, it makes much more sense for you to stay aligned, stay true and evolve with that. And then through that, find out how to serve the world with your gifts. Yeah, leaving room to flourish. I mean, that's what everyone tries to teach in the spiritual world now. You learn that in coaching. It's so late. Most of us are, you know, in the, in the second or third phase of our life. Yes. And now we're suddenly supposed to do it. Yeah, so it's a good thing to f do it as a young uh, parent. I was a little older parent. 
yeah but for those that of you guys who, and um women who are young take the time even if you know you want to become a, a parent one day who are you or if you want to as uh, dr l said so beautifully for a relationship it will uh, gives you so much uh heads up i think you say in english right you have uh, because you know what you want you can talk differently about your desires you will act different on what you um, create what you do right people will notice you have a different posture that goes back to the body if you walk your knowledge if you walk your truth and act on your own impulses on your own intuition uh, that is already life-changing and then you'll also understand later when a child does the same or your partner does exactly the same right it creates an understanding it creates also a curiosity so perfect oh this was a, a, such a beautiful uh, a conversation dr l so if someone wants to get in contact with you where can they reach you best um well we are on facebook under role model maker my company is called role model maker um, but you can always reach me directly at dr l at rolemodelmaker.com and that's the word doctor spelled out with the letter l at rolemodelmaker.com that's probably the most direct and easiest way to reach out to me and if you are in need of a discovery session or a consultation or need a mentor or some guidance, uh, or just want to actually use somebody as a soundboard, somebody that will allow you room to actually exist. Um, a lot of us don't have that. So feel free to reach out to me. Oh, that is so generous. Uh, pick his brain, pick, uh, soak in uh, Dr. Lee's uh, generosity, uh, in a way, softness and understanding and vast wisdom connect with him also if you desire connect uh, with me and everyone other who is listening under our facebook group moving to oneness and yeah explore who you are observe your children in a new way become curious what they are exposing to you and invite them to do it more as i invite you to do that as well more so thank you dr lee for being on the moving to oneness show and sharing your beautiful insights with us My and pleasure. i wish you the best thank you so much it was a pleasure to be here thank you all for listening as well thank you goodbye everyone bye bye